0: God doesn't take any sin lightly. And when it comes to false teaching, man, God will hold teachers accountable and those who are influencing the church. So be careful of those things that are influencing you. They will lead you astray. And you know what? They're subtle. They're subtle things. We need to be in the word. You see, Peter even gave us three great examples for the believer to really glean from. He says in, in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 9, he gave us three examples. He said, God didn't even spare the angels that sinned. He war- that's a warning. That's a first warning. Second warning. Uh, God didn't spare the ancient world. Here, Noah preached for a hundred years that destruction was coming. Destruction was coming. And why was destruction coming? Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5 says that the Lord saw the heart of man. It was wicked continually. His thoughts and everything he imagined was evil. Man, how about today? Man, the things that are evil. Man calls good. God calls evil. God destroyed the world. Why? Wickedness. Wickedness. That's where we're headed. He also mentions there in Peter, Sodom and Gomorrah, that God turned those cities into heaps of ashes. But he gives us the reason why God turned Sodom and Gomorrah into a heap of ashes to be examples for us. What will happen to the ungodly on the day of judgment? You see, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. His word will come to pass if we sin and we disobey. Woe is us. Because destruction is coming. But Peter said, The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations. But to the ungodly, punishment is coming. Judgment is coming. You think you're getting away with your sin. You're not. Judgment is coming. All through the Bible. All through the Bible, God warns his people. God warns his people over and over again. And in Leviticus chapter 26, uh, verses 34, God warned the people concerning Israel's sin here in this, about what's in this text here. God warned them. And many years went by and the people ignored God because of their greed. And you know what? We too can ignore God. We can ignore the warnings and we can go on with life And because of our own pet sin. We can ignore the biblical warnings like they did. But God brought famines, God brought drought, God brought pestilence to bring them to a place where they would... Get right with God. But they still ignored them. I think of our times today. A pestilence on our land. We're all wearing masks. Why? We're afraid to die. Because of a pestilence. Maybe it's time to get right with God. Maybe it's time to pray. Maybe this is God's warning for us to get right. Before he comes. Before judgment comes. See, they ignored the warnings. And Israel was invaded by the Babylonians for their sins. God used both the the Assyrian army and the Babylonian Babylonian army as instruments of correction for God's people. What's it going to take for us to get right with God if we're not right with God? Will God send something into our life traumatic? Will he bring an army, an invasion into our country? Will he cause us to rot within? I don't know. But God uses instruments of correction. But what was Israel's crime here? What was Israel's sin here? Because God does not take sin lightly. Pastor Joe mentioned this last week, 2 Chronicles 36, verse 21. It says that the Lord judged Israel... And for 70 years, it was a result of them disobeying God. Disobedience. The consequences of them being disobedient was 70 years in captivity. You see, Daniel was a part of this captivity. Daniel was a part of this people who were disobedient to God. These people who rejected God's word. And at the beginning of this book, the book of Daniel, Daniel was a teenager. Daniel was a teenager. But by chapter 9, Daniel is now 85 years old. You see, Daniel lost his home. Daniel was ripped away from his family. His homeland was devastated. His, his country was in ruins. Because of sin. Even the place where they worshipped was now burnt out in heaps of rubbish. Just imagine that. Losing your home. Losing your kids. Your country is devastated. The city where you live is in destruction and your church is wiped out. It could happen. It happened to them because of their sin. You see, there's always a price for ignoring God's word. God's word always comes to pass. God's word always comes to pass. And Daniel, we see here in this chapter, which is customary, Daniel read the scriptures, he opened God's word, and God gave him understanding, and let that be good practice for us as Christians. Daniel was characterized by three things. His purpose in life. His purpose in life is to glorify God, as each one of us as Christians are called. To glorify God. Number two. His prayer life. Number three. He clung to to prophecy. He believed the word of God. So we too can learn from Daniel's diligence. We should learn from Daniel's diligence. We should be devoted like Daniel. In prayer. In purpose to glorify God. And we too as Christians need to cling to prophecy. Prophecy. But here, let's read verses 1 through 2 as Daniel tells us what happens, his, his encounter here in chapter 9. In the first year of Darius, the son of, of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans in the first year of his reign. I, Daniel, understand the books. And the number of years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet. That he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. So you see, God's word came to pass. Daniel realized that it was specified years. How did he know he was in the word? He went back to the word and that's where we need to go back to the word. Because it specifies what's going to happen. It's amazing. The Bible's full of prophecy. Jesus fulfilled over 300 prophecies concerning his first coming alone. You see, we have missing information and limited knowledge. God doesn't. See, the Bible was written in such a way outside of time. He knows what's going to happen. It's all laid out for us. The plan is all laid out for us. We just simply need to be obedient. Obedient. The word of God is amazing. It's powerful. But you see, it's powerful on a culture that applies its word and its principles. Oh, how far we have strayed and the condition of our country. We too, as we see Daniel here in this chapter, he's reading, he's thinking about it. And what he reads, he thinks about, he prays. And in verse 3, it says, Daniel said, I set my face towards the Lord to make requests by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. Now, I went to Israel, and I was, when I went to Israel, uh, we were on the plane, and there were some Jews on the plane, some Orthodox Jews. And at a certain time, they got up, and they all turned a certain way, and they all began to pray. And they were bowing, and you know what? That was their custom. They're praying towards the temple. But more so, we should turn to the Lord in prayer with an attitude with reverence. An attitude, a humble attitude with reverence. And make our prayers for ourselves and for our loved ones. We're called to pray. But here Daniel said he prayed with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. Fasting is denying yourself food and water. And... It is a practice that isn't seen much today. I think it's time we start going back to fasting and praying. But here Daniel says sackcloth and ashes. And sackcloth and ashes is, sackcloth was this rough material that they put on. and They put ashes on their head. They were showing an outward showing of what they were feeling inwardly. And Daniel at this time, looking at the condition of his people, he was mourning. man. He was devastated. He was praying for them. In verse 4, he said, I pray to the Lord God and I made confession. I said, O Lord, great and awesome God who keeps His covenant and mercy with those who love Him, with those who keep His commandments. But notice what it says. With mercy with those who love Him. Do you love Him this morning? With those who keep His commandments, do you keep His word? But notice first, his confession was personal. And before we go in prayer for anyone else, we need to be sure that we take an inward look first. Take an inward look. What's going on in here? Lord, show me where I err. Show me my my faults. And may I repent and get right with you. But then after I do that, may I pray for others, as Daniel did here. Secondly, Daniel approaches God according to who he is. God. He doesn't approach God, well, I'm Daniel, I'm the prophet, I'm, I'm this. No, he comes humbly and he says, you're God, I'm coming to you. But notice he calls God Lord. And that is to call God your master. Yes, master, whatever you want me to do. I trust you. He calls him his master and he calls him a great and awesome God. You see, God's all-knowing. He knows everything. God's omnipresent. He's present everywhere. And God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. And, man, that's how I want to approach God, with that understanding. I don't know why I'm going through certain things right now, but, Lord, I know you're omniscient. You know all things, so give me the wisdom I need to live. God, I don't, I don't know why I'm going through you, Lord, but I know you're omnipresent. You're here with me. You said you wouldn't leave me nor forsake me. You're here with me. Help me to trust you. God, I know that you're all powerful and you want to do a work in me and you're able to get me out of my situation. But Lord, help me to trust you and wait upon you. So also here we see Daniel calls, him, calls God the one who keeps his covenant. You see, God, call, God keeps his promises. Whatever God says, He does. He never changes. You see, society's changing. Christian mentality is changing. Why? Because it is drifting away from the Word. We need to get back to the Word. God never changes, His Word never changes. God doesn't evolve. Let's look at Daniel's prayer here, starting in verse 5. He cries out to God, we have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. So here Daniel admits Israel's greatest problem, sin. Israel's greatest problem is sin. The Christian's greatest problem is sin. Our greatest problem is sin. My greatest problem is sin. And here, Daniel admits, we have sinned, and the the Hebrew word is hatah, meaning missing the goal, or to wander off the right path. Man, do we miss the goal? Do we wander off the right path? Absolutely. To say we haven't sinned, you're calling God a liar, because all have sinned and fallen short. Daniel also said, here we have committed iniquity. The word iniquity means to pervert or to distort, to twist. Daniel said, we committed adult, uh, iniquity. We're bending, we're twisting, we're distorting. Meaning they distorted their way of living. And they justified it by a little altercation. Alteration. Man, I say I'm a Christian, but I'm doing things... Like the world, if I'm doing things more like the world and my thinking and my doing is more like the world than the Word, I'm in sin. I'm in sin. I'm bending, I'm distorting, I'm twisting it to meet my pet sin. I'm altering God's Word. And many, many Christians uh, claimed to be Christians, Christ like. Many people do religious things and religious activities. But if our lives and our thinking conforms more with the world than scripture, that's not good. That's not good for you. So if then we are in sin, committing iniquity, Living lives that are perverted according to God's word. We're twisting it. We're perverted life. Bending and twisting and distorting life. We're not living the life that God has called us to. That's very dangerous. And the worst possible thing for us as Christians to do if we're in sin is to justify it. And many Christians do. And they say, don't judge me. Don't judge me. On the one hand, the Bible says this. On the other hand, I think this is okay. You fill in the blank. This is okay. You know what? Sometimes I fail at my attempt on correcting people when they're doing something unbiblical. I'll correct you. I'll say that's wrong. And many times I'll be ignored. People don't like correction. But be assured that one day on the day of judgment, you will be held accountable. And when you're corrected, it's because of love. Don't want you to face judgment and the torture that will come. But here Daniel said, We had done wickedly and rebelled. The word wickedly means uh, to unjustly deviate from God's ways. So here Daniel also said, We rebelled. The word rebel means to revolt. To revolt. It's basically saying, God, we disapprove of your ways. And we think we know better. That is the world. And that is creeping into the church. We think we know better than God. But here in the last part of verse 5 and in verse 6. Mentions two major problems that cause God's people and their downfall. Caused God's people for a sure downfall. He says we have done wickedly even by departing from your precepts and your judgment. Basically, we left the way of living according to your word. Verse 6, Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and to our fathers, and all the people of the land. So the number one problem, Christian, the number one problem is departing from God's word. And this is a reoccurring theme in the Bible. If you read just Nehemiah chapter 9, it gives a history of Israel. And all their problems are because they reject God's word. They leave God's word. And it could happen to us. It's written for our learning. The Christian's learning. It's for today. The Old Testament is for today, for us, for our learning. And there's some in Christian circles, even within the Calvary chapels, that don't think The Old Testament is important. Woe to us, woe to the teachers. Departing from God's precepts. We have this problem in the ancient times, but we all so see this problem in modern day Christianity. We need to get back to the word. But here Daniel said, we, need, we didn't even heed your, your servants, the prophets. Basically, we, we ignored your word, and we ignored the teachers that you sent to teach us. We were just listening, and we're, we're not applying. That's very dangerous. You see, God corrected Israel. And we should be a people who are ready for correction when God speaks. In Deuteronomy chapter 12 and verse 8, God said, You shall not do as you are doing here today. Every man doing what is right in his own eyes. Today. Don't do what you're doing. If it's unbiblical, if it's worldly, if it's ungodly, if it's sinful. God warning, the problem was back then. Every man doing what is right in his own eyes and we see the problem is the same today. Man hasn't changed. He just got more creative. You see, God created us with free will. He's given us free will. He's given us the capacity to choose. And Pastor Joe mentioned last Sunday night in the study of Proverbs, but when God God gives us the capacity to choose. And when man says, I I don't want to live according to how you want me to live. Romans chapter 1 verses 22 through 26 says, God will give them up. Go ahead. You want to live that way? Go ahead. And it says that the people would rather worship the creation than the creator. The worship of self is more important. I want to do what I want to do. I think I know better than you, God. And God will say, okay. Twice in that chapter, it says God gave them up. So doing what is right in your own eyes is self-worship. It's to say that you know better than your creator. And I really believe we are at this point in history where everything is permissible and there's no shame anymore. But here in verse 7 through 8, Daniel uh, Daniel says, O Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but to us, shame of faith. As it is this day, to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, those who are near and those who are far off in all the countries which you have driven them because of their unfaithfulness, which they have committed against you. And then he says again in verse 8, O Lord, to us belongs shame of faith, to our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. Shame of faith. Shame. Shame on you. Shame on me. But notice it says he'd driven them away because of their unfaithfulness. But Daniel rightly here calls God righteous. You see, God is a standard. God It's his character. God is righteous. God will tell you the truth because he loves you. God will tell you what you don't want to hear. Your flesh don't want to hear because he loves you. He's a standard of morality of what is right and wrong. Because he loves you. Not that he's trying to keep you from anything. But secondly, here Daniel says, shame of face. Shame of face. We should be ashamed of ourselves. And here it says, the men of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, he indicts everybody, shame on us. Because we have been unfaithful to God. We're sinning against you. But here in verse 8, Daniel includes himself and the leaders and that's the biblical rule. Too much is given, much more is required. God will hold those in leadership roles to a higher standard of accountability. We see this in Luke chapter 12, verse 48 and James chapter 3 and verse 1. God's going to hold the leaders accountable. He says here, shame of faith. You know, He mentions the spiritual leaders. Secondly, he mentions the political leaders, our kings, our princes, and then the leaders of our home, the fathers. Pray for our leaders. Shame of face, Daniel said. Shame. We should be ashamed. We should cover our faces when we sin." But today's society, we're living in a society that when it comes to non-believers, I don't expect them to act like Christians. They're going to do ungodly things. Why? Because the bio, they're living ungodly. They're, they're, they're their own God. They're living according to their own standards. So they're going to do ungodly things. And man, the worst is yet to come. Just to, Just look at what we've seen over the last 20 years. Fast forward, let's... Just take what's taking place over the last three years. How about over the last couple of months? Hey, your parental rights are going to be taken away from you. Take away, Dr. Seuss, this is next. This is next. It's going to infect your faith. I think voting isn't important. Who you vote for matters. There's consequences. Sin always has consequences. God will hold every account everyone accountable. We haven't seen nothing yet. Today we're living in a godless society. And even this ungodliness and this justifying sin is creeping into our churches. It's creeping into our churches. This attitude of worldliness is creeping into the church. It's being promoted by influential leaders. Romans chapter 3, verse 18 says, There's no fear before their eyes. You know, it's kind of like Genesis. Go back to Genesis at the beginning Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, and where Satan comes in. Satan comes in, and he's cunning, he's friendly, he's caring, he comes with a concerned tone on his voice. It's okay. I think you're misunderstanding God. God wouldn't do that. You'll be all right. Don't worry about it. There's no consequences. Yeah, and you don't want to miss out. Man, you're going to believe, but you're believing a lie. That's how the enemy comes in. You'll be like God. Making your own decisions. You know better. But there are always consequences to sin. Always. Sin always has consequences. It's just a matter of timing. We're called to repent of sin. Turn. Make that U-turn. You see, a lot of times when we're caught in sin, there's two kinds of sorrows. uh, Sorrows. There's a godly sorrow and an ungodly sorrow. There's a sorrow, oh man, I got busted. Or there's a sorrow as, God, forgive me for doing this. Help me to stop doing this and and help me and lead me and guide me and change my life in this area, struggling. You see, when it comes to sin... God will deal with sin. And man is doomed when it comes to sin. But even, even we see through the Bible here, Daniel, look at Daniel's heart as, as he's praying for sin. He, he's brokenhearted over sin. He said, we have sinned. He's brokenhearted. And we see this through the, through the word of God. We see Isaiah in chapter uh, 6 seeing the Lord and standing before the Lord. And he says, woe is me. I'm a a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of an unclean people. This is Isaiah saying that back then. What about us today? Woe is us. Man, we're unclean and we dwell in the midst of an unclean people. Man, we're ripe for judgment. We need to repent. Even the psalmist said in Psalms 41, verse 4, Lord, have mercy upon me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against you. So again, there's a difference between I got busted and I regret it, or I'm sorrowful, I have sinful actions. But today, sorrow and shame are out the door. You see, sin is being celebrated. It's fun to sin. And the Bible does say sin is, is fun for a season, but that season's going to end and you're going to have to stand before the Lord. Remember even Jesus talking about his second coming. He said when he comes, he's going to come like a thief in the night. He said when he comes, he described the world as being in a celebration like atmosphere. We see this in Luke chapter 17, verse 27. When Jesus comes back, we're going to be celebrating sin. People living in excess, drunkenness, an idea of an immoral free-for-all. And that's what we're seeing today. An immoral free-for-all. Anything goes. We haven't seen nothing yet. You can't even imagine what's going to happen next year. The wickedness that's coming out. But here in verse 9, Daniel prays to God for mercy and forgiveness. Because Jesus warned us that destruction is coming to us. Like the days of Noah, when Noah entered the ark and it destroyed them all. That's a warning for us. But Daniel prays for God's mercy. Verse 9, To the Lord our God belongs mercy and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. So again, here, Daniel calling out for God's forgiveness and mercy. And we see this over and over in the scripture Calling out for God's mercy, we're not calling out for God's justice. We need His mercy. God, forgive us. God, we plead, we're pleading with you for mercy. Second Peter chapter three verse nine says, "You know God is able to deliver us out of uh, temptations, and He's not willing for any of us to perish." So God is giving us time to repent. Of our sins and in verses 10 through 13 Daniel repeats Israel's offenses I'm not going to read the the verses but I'm just going to hit the points Daniel said number one we have disobeyed God's voice number two we have walked acor- we haven't walked according to your laws number three we haven't listened to those who gave us your word. Number four, we transgress. In other words, we willfully stepped over the line that you set, Lord. Uh, Number five, we departed from hearing your voice. And number six, Daniel admits the consequences that they were suffering that day were a result of their own disobedience. Daniel admits, number seven, that God forewarned them that disaster would come upon them if they didn't follow God's instruction. And Daniel says the biggest problem, all this, all this, imagine losing your family, losing your home, losing your city, losing your country. It's all devastated, all this. And Daniel says at the end of verse 16, yet we have not even prayed. We didn't even pray. We have not prayed before the Lord. Daniel admits the problem. Number one, not turning to God and not praying You see, sin will darken our understanding. You see, when we give ourselves over to sin, we will have our own versions of the truth. We will make up our own what is right and what is wrong. We will believe the lie. We will do whatever we want to do. But we will still be held accountable on the day of judgment. Again, Daniel in verse uh, 14 through 16 says, says the same thing, brings up the same uh, things. But Daniel adds in verse 16, here again, because of their shameless behavior, uh, that they were even a a reproach to the people around them. They'd gotten so bad because they strayed from the word. And we too, as as we wander from God's word, as the world will wander from God's word, it'll get worse. Shameless behavior. Verses 17 through 19, we see Daniel pleading for God to intervene on behalf of his people. Why? Because one of the things, we can't change hearts. I couldn't change my own heart. I tried many times to change back in, when I was backslidden. I tried to change. I tr- one week, it would work for one week. The next week, I'd fall. I'd fall. I'd fall. Until I got my heart right with God, and God changed my heart. You see, that's what we need. We need to pray for changed hearts here in me. We need to pray for changed hearts. Because nothing's going to change unless the heart changes. Things ain't going to get better. They're going to get worse unless God changes the heart. My marriage, my family didn't become better until God changed my heart. My destination didn't get better until God changed my heart. But here, Daniel's pleading for God to change the people to intervene. Ezekiel chapter 36, 26, God promised, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you. I will take out the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, a tender heart, a work of his spirit. In verse 17, Daniel calls himself God's servant. And what is God's servant doing? He's praying. He's praying, we as God's servant, we need to pray. Verse 18, we hear his prayer. Oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see uh, the desolations and the city which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplications before you because of our own righteous deeds, but because of your great mercy. Again, he's calling for God's mercy. Verse 19, he says, Lord, hear Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake, my God, for your city and for your people who are called by your name. See, the key here is Daniel is praying, not because of his own righteousness. He's not saying because I'm so good, Lord, but because you're so merciful. We need to pray for God's mercy. Destruction is coming. It's coming in a moment. I want to be ready. God is merciful. We see this in 2 Chronicles 30, verse 9. God promising them if they would return to the Lord, that God would be merciful to them if they returned to him. You know, I remember sitting in the seats back in West Covina when we were all preaching and listening. and, And you know what? I was sitting there, but I wasn't right with God. I thank God for God's grace and God's mercy. Because if the Lord would have came back that day, I know I would be in hell. I had a praying mom. I caused my mom great weeping and suffering. Don't coddle your kids, mourn for your kids. Don't try to save your family. You you pray that God would save their, your family. But all through the scriptures we see the psalmist. In the word, we see them calling for God's mercy. That's what we need. We don't need God's judgment. If God judges us right now, we would all be wiped out. Like that. Boom, judgment. Why? Because we all sin. And sin always has consequences. And God's word always comes to pass. But in verse 20 through 27, uh, we have an encounter here after Daniel prays. What happens is he has an encounter with an angel. It says in verse 21, while I was speaking in prayer, I had an experience. He had this broken heart. He had this humble heart. He calls himself uh, God's servant. He humbles himself. He prays with a right heart. And as he was praying, God sent a message. Verse 22, it says, God gave them skill to understand. And in verse 24 through 27, he gives them several prophecies that give validity to the word of God. You see, destruction's coming, but the word of God is written for us, for our learning. That we might understand that What God says is actually going to take place not in in just the near future. It could happen tonight. It could happen today. Think about that. Where's my family going to be? Are they going to be okay? Are they going to be wiped out? Where are they going to be? You see, God wants us to know and understand. So he gives us prophecy here to understand that what he says is going to happen. And what he says actually happened. We have here, in the latter part here, we have prophecy. Now the prophecy is broken up in several parts. And we have many scriptures that show us when God gives us prophecy... Uh, you know, He lays it out for us, but sometimes there is a there is a timeout. okay? A timeout. in God's timing. We have examples of this. Remember when Jesus was teaching in Luke chapter 4, 18 through 21, Jesus went into the synagogue and He began to read and He, re- he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and to recovery of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book. He closed the book. But he was reading the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 61 and 62 but Jesus closed the book at the comma. He closed the book at the comma. And he closed with the last phrase. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then there's a comma. And then it says. And the, and the day of vengeance of our God. He closed the comma. Why? Because he's fulfilling this part. And the next part is yet to come. It's coming. The day of vengeance is coming. Jesus stopped there with a comma. And we see this again in Acts chapter 2 and verse 16. Remember when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit came on Jerusalem and they were speaking in tongues and, man, God, 3,000 people got saved and they were, they were like, oh, you're, they're drunk. And then they go, what do they do? They go back to Old Testament Scripture, Joel chapter 2. And here's where it says in, in Acts chapter uh, 16 verse 2 through 16 through 21 Peter said but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel saying it shall come to pass in the last days says God that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh your sons and your daughters shall pros- prophesy your young men shall see visions your old men shall dream dreams and on my min servant and on my maid servant i will pour out my spirit on their on those days and they will prophesy period if you would have read just a little more it says and i will show wonders in heaven above and signs in earth blood and fire and vapor of smoke that the sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. That's yet to come. We know the first part is fulfilled. In both scriptures. The Luke passage. The Acts passage. And here in Daniel. it's It came to pass. It's just a matter of time. Where we slip past that comma. Where we go past that period. And that new sentence starts. That new season starts. It's going to happen. So here... Daniel, the first prophecy is fulfilled The command to rebuild uh, Israel. Remember, they were gone for 70 years. There was a command to build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince comes. And there shall be 70 weeks, 62 weeks, and the street shall be built again, and the wall, even in trouble sometimes. This was fulfilled. The angel foretells the coming... Uh, commandment to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. And we see this in the book of Nehemiah chapter 1 and 2. Artaxerxes, the king of Persia on March 14, 45 BC. This actually happened. The command, God said, this is going to happen. He told Daniel it's going to happen. It didn't happen immediately. You know when it happened? 90 years after Daniel's prayer here. God reveals it, and 90 years later, it happens. The decree was given. They, they started building the wall. And this prophecy is based upon the Babylonian calendar, which is a 360-day year. We have 365 days in our calendar. They had a 360-day three, year. That comes to 483 years which equals 173,880 days after comes the next fulfillment of prophecy. On March 14th, I'm sorry, on April 6th, 32 AD, that day, the exact day, Jesus rode into Jerusalem in what we call Palm Sunday. That happened. That's an a real event. But he said, until Messiah the Prince, the prophecy will be fulfilled. He was on that day when Jesus came in to the city of Jerusalem. That was a, a day where it was said that he was going to come. But it is also a day where prophesied that they were going to reject him. And we see this in Psalms uh, 118 verse 22 to 26, the stone with the, which the builders rejected has become chief. And this is marvelous in our eyes. This was the Lord's doing. And it says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He's also here, Jesus is also here in Daniel. It says he's fulfilling Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9. Where the people would come to Jesus and rejoice greatly, and they were shouting to him, Behold, our king is coming, Hosanna, Hosanna, and that he would be riding on a donkey. It happened. April 6, 32 AD. Just like Daniel says here in verses 20 through 27. Also, the prophecy, the third prophecy that was fulfilled here in this chapter. Is after the sixty-two weeks the Messiah would be cut off, but not for himself. It says here, meaning he, the Messiah, being cut off, speaks of the cross. He's going to die, but not for himself, for us, for our sins, the consequences of our sin. He dies for our sins. And the fourth, and he's, and he's fulfilling Genesis chapter three verse fifteen, Isaiah fifty-three, Psalms twenty-two, and. 300 other prophecies concerning his first coming alone. And here in Daniel, we have several. The fourth prophecy that will be fulfilled is, it says, the the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and then at the end, with a flood. Now, this is the prophecy that happened in 70 AD. When Caesar Nero sent in... Uh, Titus to destroy Israel, to take over Israel, and they destroyed the temple. This this happened already. But there are several hints that Caesar Nero was a type of the Antichrist who is to come. They believe Caesar Nero was demon-possessed and that the demon that actually possessed. Caesar Nero and controlled him because he was wicked. He was very wicked. He would put Christians in tar and pitch and he would crucify him them in his gardens and light them on fire as tiki torches. He was a very wicked man. He was demon possessed. And they believe that the the demon who possessed him will be the 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 demon who will control the European leader, who will rise out of the ten nations, who will be the Antichrist, which the people will accept. Why? Because he's, anything goes. He's the Messiah light. He's the one that the people will accept. Revelations chapter 17, verses 8 through 11 says, he is a beast. He is a beast that was and is not, And yet is. Wow, he's demon-possessed. That's going to happen. That's yet to come. Also, the other prophecy yet to come. Here, speaking of uh, the covenant of one week. uh, In the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice. Uh, So what happened is, when the Antichrist comes, because he's coming... I've been to Israel. I've seen the Temple Institute. I've been there. I've seen they have all the vessels. Uh, You talk to Alfonso, they they already have the the, the red heifer where they're going to sacrifice the animal. They're already ready for the building of the temple. I went up to the Temple Mount and I've stood on the place where they believe that they're going to make the the second temple. They're already on their way. They just need to go ahead. Now, when this temple is built, it says that there for one week there is there's going to be a covenant with the antichrist he 's going to make it happen but at the- me, at the middle of the week in three and a half years he's going to come in to the temple and want to be worshipped and man, all hell is going to break loose after that and man that 's when Jesus is going to come after that uh, they they even count the days after uh, the the coming of the messiah after you see uh, the antichrist in the temple after you see the antichrist in the temple 1290 days from that day jesus will come into earth and he'll establish his kingdom man that's coming how do i know this stuff is true because what he said in the past happened in great detail so it's for our wor- learning it's for our warning to get right because it's going to happen It's just a matter of timing. So as Christians, we need to pray. Jesus warned us when we see these things spoken by Daniel the prophet, he who reads, let him understand. Why did Jesus say that? Because Jesus doesn't want us to get caught off guard. And Jesus sent his apostles to warn us, be careful in the last times they're going to try to deceive you even amongst yourself. We need to get to the Word. Christian, be in the Word. Be in prayer. Start praying it. Read it consistently from Genesis to Revelations. Why? We might not have it very long. Read it. Apply it. Where it shows error, say, Lord, help me not to be like that. But where it shows something awesome, say, Lord, I want that. But in these times... We need to pray for God's mercy. Why? Because it could happen tomorrow. We're just waiting on the rapture of the church. It could come when we least expect it. So Christian, be ready. Christian, if you're not right with the Lord, get right with the Lord. Man, 2020, wicked. 2021. You know what? I haven't experienced you know, these spiritual attacks on me personally and on the church and Pastor Joe and just the things that we've been experiencing, man, it's it's crazy, the spiritual attacks. And just even the, the stuff that the enemy is throwing in our minds, it's wicked. Why, why would the enemy be so desperate to cause us to stumble, to cause us to fall, to cause us to stray because he knows his time is short. So let that be a warning to us, Lord, but let that be a, a lesson for us. You know, if we're not brokenhearted over sin and we're comfortable with sin, pray for that. If you're right with God, pray for We need to mourn. We need to plead for God's mercy for our children. What the children are being taught today, shame on us. We need to be in the word. We need to be in prayer. We need to be ready with an answer for the hope that lies within us. Let's pray. Father, we love you and I thank you for your church, Lord. Father, forgive us of our sins, Lord. Cleanse us and wash us, Lord. Make us brand new, Father. We pray, Lord, that we would heed your warnings. Father, that we would glean from the examples that you set for us, us, Lord. That you would minister to our hearts. You would, Father, have mercy on our families. Father, that you would guard our hearts from false teachers and influencers who would influence us in the the broad way, the way of, of destruction. Help us to cling to your word and trust that your word always comes to pass. Do a supernatural work of your spirit, Lord. Father, I pray, Lord, if if there's someone here right now that's not right, needs to get right with you, Lord. That right now, where they're sitting, they will get right with you, Lord. And as Peter was sinking, he just simply cried out, Lord, save me. Father, right there where they're at, that they would cry out to you, Lord. You would hear their voice. The Christian that's struggling right now, Father. Father, that you would empower them to overcome sin. That we wouldn't be a stumbling block to even the non-believers around us or to those in the church, Lord. Lord. Father, we pray, Lord, that you would give us the strength to finish well. That we would finish strong. That we would fight the good fight, Lord. Father, that we would fight the good fight on our knees in prayer. and the word. May it penetrate our hearts, Lord. May we live according to it. May we not twist it nor distort it, Lord. And Again, Lord, we dwell in a wicked, wicked society. The days are getting darker, Lord. So give us the wisdom to live holy, set-apart lives. Empower us to live in such a way. Give us a spirit of power and love and of a sound mind, Lord. That we would stand strong and glorify you. So do a work of your spirit in our hearts, Lord. Give us tender hearts, Lord. Father, give us fertile hearts for your word. And Father, we ask this, not based upon our own righteousness. There's none of us here is morally perfect, Lord. We call upon your mercy. Father, we need you. We need your help, Lord. We see Daniel, what Daniel, what happened to Daniel and his people because of their sin, Lord. Father, we pray, Lord, you'd have mercy on us now before it happens. Help us to be ready. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.